Are certain Street Fighter characters non-negotiable musts for appearing on base rosters, or can anyone be DLC? We delve into the concept of community expectations on this front. Plus, Catalyst counts out the five best character story threads in Street Fighter V, all on this week's episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. Alright, welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. I am John Catalyst Green. With me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero I'm, Santa. I was gonna say I'm wearing a Santa <laughs> hat today. That's the that's the big attention grabber, apparently, for the, for the whole thing. Uh, yes, so I'm, I'm I'm kinda getting into the Christmas spirit. Dude, there's so much going on though. I mean, like which is always the story, right? Every Christmas movie is like, oh, get in the Christmas spirit. Oh, there's so much going on. Yeah, but the Christmas I don't know. But I'm definitely caught up in all of that and uh it, it, it it's chaotic. It's fun, but it's chaotic. I played in Wednesday night fights last night on Tuesday. That's when they do their preliminaries. Got ninth place, so I still kind of got Congrats. it with Luke. Not too bad, you know. I was just no. happy about that. And uh, and yeah, getting ready for uh, the end of the year here. There you go. Yeah, I am... John, I'm getting ready for your segment because I, I, you've got a kind of bombastic angle on this one. I want to get right into it, man. Yeah. Hit us with it. Give us the power, the power move, the power... Yes. Uh, well, so... We had a conversation on a previous segment about the characters who would uh, for sure be on the launch roster of the next Street Fighter. We'll call it Street Fighter 6. I'm not officially called that. Whatever. Uh, but those were Luke because of all the, the messaging that Capcom has done directly about him. And then Chun-Li and Ryu. And the reason for Chun-Li and Ryu, outside of the obvious that like they're super popular, was because way back in 2015, a little uh, company called Event Hubs did an interview with then-Capcom employee Matt Dahlgren talking about Street Fighter V, which is coming out the following year. And he quoted to us in talking about the construction of SF5's roster, the way we're handling our reveals, we started off with the first characters that are mainstays. Ryu and Chun-Li will be in every Street Fighter game. Okay, makes sense. And it sounds to me like, well, that doesn't mean that they're not going to necessarily be base roster or that they're not going to necessarily be DLC. But you think about that and you go, well, if those characters aren't on your base roster, is there an expectation that people would uh, want to see them there and then freak out and, and have a big issue with stuff? And sure enough, when we talked about Ryu and Chun, we didn't talk about Ken being there. We didn't specifically say Ken would be part of that non-negotiable, you can't be DLC, you have to be base roster group. And the people in our comments, very calmly and respectfully, uh, said, dude, <laughs> Ken, Ken has to be there. If Ken's not there, it's a big problem. And so that got me thinking, it's like, are there, of course, this is all unwritten, but are there characters that absolutely have to be base roster? Otherwise, you're going to have big issues. And this whole, I would say, still emerging concept of uh, DLC supported or extended support fighting games is interesting because you got to balance your community expectations, keep people happy. You got to balance your business needs and, and desires. And there's a lot of different ways you could go about this. Like, who do you save? Who do you launch for the grand opening? And do certain characters, because of their identities or personalities or the relationships that they have with the community, do they only fit in certain places? And, uh, you know, this is really important. It's been important for a lot longer, even I would dare say, than when this whole DLC thing um, has been going on for like the last five or six years or so. Uh, Capcom has dropped the ball a few times in the past 
when it comes to like initial rosters and such. And John, you you bring this up every so often, either on the podcast or in our in our you know just private event hubs meetings and such. So I wanted to turn this over to you a little bit. Uh, two times in the past, back when Capcom did not do so well with an initial roster, and that cost them dearly. Yeah. Well, um, the, the two examples are, of course, Street Fighter 3 and then Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. Mm-hmm. Um, in Street Fighter 3, they there was a point in development where, this is rumored, that Ryu and Ken were both not in the game. Uh, some people dispute that and say, you know, Ryu was always there. Ken was the one who they kind of threw in a little bit, not last minute, but kind of, you know. Um, so, you know, believe as you will, will there. But, you know, the proof is that Street Fighter 3 was one of the least successful Street Fighter games ever. And a big reason for that is just like they took some of the most iconic characters in video games and didn't even have them in there. You know, what was it? Wreck-It Ralph like had Zangief and M. Bison in there. Like, I mean, there's just characters that are like these are iconic beyond belief kind of characters in fighting games. It's some of the most popular IP. And it's like, why would you not use (laughs) if they've appeared in Uh, Wreck-It Ralph? That's when you know they've made it. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but anyway, so like I, I personally look at characters like Zangief and Dalsim and, and think they have to be there. Uh, I know, of course, we're going to get into selections later on, but um, it, it, it's there's certain characters who are just kind of like so iconic. They just kind of have to be on there. And if you don't have them there, like, what are you doing? Right. Uh, I know with Marvel Infinite it was mostly like the X-Men characters were missing, um, you know, and some others that were kind of like just kind of mainstays of the Marvel versus Capcom universe. But basically any character where you think they are the definition of Street Fighter, definition of this game, and they're not there, it's like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And Ken definitely falls into that for me. It's like, if Ken's not a base roster character, there better be a damn good reason for it. Well, and then so, and one might argue, you could say that Capcom even did argue at one point that people just want representation of types of characters, aka functions, and it goes mm-hmm. very well beyond that. I don't mean to bring that up to, to, to poo-poo on, on Combo Fiend. He's a great guy and I think he does a great job at what he does. Uh, but I, I, you know, for, for what it's worth, that wasn't Combo Fiend who said that. It was another Capcom employee. Uh, we always attribute that one to Combo Fiend, but, but yeah, it was someone else who said functions. Okay. So. Well, and Capcom said functions, that people only want the functions of their character. They don't necessarily want Magneto. They want a character that plays like Magneto. No, they want Magneto. And this doesn't apply yeah. to every character. I, I, I think that there are certain archetypes where, they, yes, the functions argument would work. But for certain characters, that just does not fly. And it would be in Capcom's best interest to know exactly who those are going in here to Street Fighter Six or whatever and, uh, and not mess around with that. They got to know what their non-negotiables are. Um, and in a quick a quick point of that, Capcom failed to get the licensing rights for some of these characters and that and, you know, Marvel didn't want them to do some of these characters and that's a come they didn't show up. And that was Capcom's basically excuse for it. Uh, that came down from high up the ladder that, hey, this is the reason that we're going to uh, say that these characters aren't in here. And this is the excuse you guys need to give that these characters are basically functions and, you know, do it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the messaging and other stuff that surrounds Capcom fighting games, it comes down from pretty far up the chain in terms of a chain of command. And, and they like everyone to be on the same page, regardless of how you feel as an individual, they want the messaging kind of consistent across their team. So I wanted to fill that blank in there. Cause a lot of these guys get put up there, guys and gals get put up there, uh, with the job of of leaving unfortunate messaging for the community mm. to to respond to, no so. one wants to be that messenger for sure. No, uh, but hey, is what it is. They get shot. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, whoa, okay. <laughs> this is Mortal Kombat territory. I guess I should talk about Melina and her fan base right now. She was a DLC character that didn't get introduced for a while, and that was problematic for Ed Boon and his team. 
Uh, like every time they they brought anything up. In fact, I think anytime Ed Boon tweeted anything, like, "Hey, I'm enjoying my Sunday afternoon," there was a bunch of not so uh, well the PC commentary on his tweets about how they needed to put Molina in the game ASAP. Um, so before we go any farther, though, I want to ask uh, you, I'll give you my opinion as well. And then I also want to ask the the listeners and the viewers to comment, do you think that Ken is part of this non-negotiable, you have to have him in as the one of the first three characters, or, or as part of the base roster, I should say, along with Chun-Li and Ryu as a non-negotiable? Or do you think that you could have Ken as a DLC character? Because you know he would sell, everyone would buy Ken. But if you did that, would people be more preoccupied with this should have been part of the base roster and it's still an issue and ultimately it's still a bad look for Capcom and a bad talking point for their yeah. game? So basic question, is Ken part of this non-negotiable group? John? Yes, I think so. It's um, the, the thing about it is fighting games is uh, the shuttle moveset that they have is the most copied moveset in fighting games, uh, even among Capcom themselves. And, and people just love that moveset and expect to be able to play multiple characters who play in that way. Uh, it's reuse not enough. Uh, you need Ken in there as well. Or another shuttle to replace that. You could argue Luke or whatever, you know, but no, nah, it's uh, Ken has to be a non-negotiable in my mm -hmm. opinion. And, and you agree with Chun-Li and, and Ryu as well? Of course, yeah. Okay. They're, they're going to be in every Street Fighter game. Absolutely. And and the people, you, you do your comment. Let us know if you think Ken is part of that. Those of you that didn't already say as much in previous videos. Um, and also, you, if, you, if you're doing that, you might as well also Psycho Crush the like button because uh, that really helps us out and such. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. And I want to kind of evolve things over now into are there any other non-negotiable characters, which it sounded like you already have at least two that you think are. Um, uh, okay. Well, well, yeah. I just want to set the stage yeah. a little bit and say that I think this conversation of what we're about to have would be very different had we had it before uh, 2016 played out because there were characters that I think like Guile, Balrog, Sagat would probably be in this category and yet they ran the experiment. Those were DLC characters and people were just fine with it. It was, I mean, Street Fighter V was ultimately a success, around 6 million units sold. Uh, it, it had its rocky patches, but it's become good, and and these characters were DLC, and it wasn't an issue. It certainly wasn't a, uh, a death blow kind of an issue. So that opens my eyes up, and I go, wow, that there's actually a lot of tolerance here for characters to be DLC, but I just wanted to throw that out there before we jumped into it. John, do you think there are other characters that absolutely have to be on the base roster that cannot be introduced later on as DLC? Yeah, I, I mentioned Zangief and Dalsum, and, and the big reasons there is you need those archetypes represented. It's not just, you know, from a, a filling standpoint, this is also from a, there's, there's a lot of things to look at, in my opinion. Um, but the th things about Zangief and Dalsum is like the, the grappler and long range zoner archetypes. Those are the two characters who kind of built those archetypes up in fighting games. And yeah, you could bring in some other characters to fill those roles. But why would you? They are the two most representative characters, and they tend not to be super popular anyway, um, you know, like in terms of usage and stuff. So I don't think that they make as much sense as DLC as they do on the base roster. Like, give people those characters from day one. Uh, and one other throw in here, and yeah, um, Bias, uh, she's on my cup and everything like that, but... Um, Where'd you get that cup? That's a really nice cup. <laughs> it's uh, one of my friends got it for me for Christmas. So, uh, uh, but this is actually a new cup. It's a larger one. My wife got this one for me, and it's uh, got the sass back on it, which I'll explain another time. Um, but um, uh, Rose would be the other throw in here because she's really integral to to the plot. 
of what they're planning on doing in this next game. And I think that if she's not near the start of the release of the game, like, what are you doing? And there's a few other throw-ins I'd mentioned. Like, I think almost Cammy. like, I wouldn't say she's a non-negotiable, but, like, she makes a lot of sense on that base roster. And then I also think you've got to bring someone back from Street Fighter V on the base roster and, like, someone like Karen like makes a lot of sense but you know Luke is in there as well so who knows but there's a few characters that are just kind of like they make so much more sense as a base roster member than they do as DLC and there it yeah, is yeah I do I do appreciate the argument that characters like Dalsam and Zangief they're they're certainly they've got their places at the table how hype do they make uh, like they're people that love those characters for sure but widespread love I don't know and like from a business standpoint is is Dalsam going to get a ton of downloads? Maybe he would, but maybe he wouldn't. Dalsam might be one of those characters. Zangief might be one of those characters for the people to go like, I don't really play grapplers. I might be able to skip this one. And, and so that might be a thing that you would consider. But as far as, and, and how I sort of set this up with like, will the community say no dice? Like you can't do it this way and we are going to revolt or not buy your game or, or Marvel versus Capcom infinite you. Um, I don't think that anybody beyond Ryu, Ken, and Chun-Li actually falls into that category. I think, and it's like, could you do it without Cammy? It's like, oh, yeah. M. Bison. M. Bison's an interesting one that ultimately I think it'd be fine, but he might be one where it's like, you kind of got to give him a certain level of respect. And if you don't put him on the base roster, then you don't put him in DLC either. It's like this this weird, I don't even know that that would be the case. But when I think about him, I think like people might have a crazy reaction like that. But ultimately I I couldn't. Well, well, I, Bison's the deadest he's ever been now. Means nothing. Like, he's died a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's he's going into Street Fighter 3 now. That's the territory we're entering. And so there's actually a really good reason not to have Bison in there. Sure. Now, you could have Phantom Bison or whatever, which is fine. You know, what are they? Undead. Um, sure. Decaying, Adjective Bison or something, you know, and, and have yeah, them a little like, different. Play with the character. Yeah. And, you know, they'll go back in time and stuff, so there's a reason to put them in there. But there, there's nice actually bison. a very good reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a good reason not to have them in this time. So Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, there is one character that stands apart from everybody else that I want to talk about specifically. But before we get to that character, I have a couple of big... It's ass ...of the week. Uh, we'll keep this short and sweet, but there is a Mika player that I played named, uh, I can't even read my own handwriting, Camerco89, who just totally rage quit out. Of, uh, and that was that was fine as whatever. Uh, like two days ago, I ran into a Seth player, uh, Grandmaster, the purple one, Seth player. And, and their name was just, I think it was I-I-I-I-I. I think that's all it was. Um, okay. Beat me the first game handily and stunned me in the second round for the, for the ending combo and taunted during that combo. Fair enough. You can do that if you want. We've talked about it plenty when Knuckle Dew was pulling that crap, and it's it's like that's part of the game. Fair enough. If you want to be a jerk, you can. Next game, I updated and destroyed him. And as the end was happening, he rage quits out. Worst kind of player. I I I I I. Uh, shame on you. You suck. You are the biggest bitch ass rage quitter of this week. Bitch ass rage quitter of the week we give you a thumbs down don't thumbs down the video thumbs down that player yeah because that guy sucks yeah guy gal they them whatever idiot (laughs) okay so anyways uh the the character though that i i find very interesting when it comes to this conversation is akuma akuma is i I don't even want to say low key as low key like 
right there on the same level as Ryu, Chun-Li, and Ken, and in, and you could argue that he's even higher. In terms of how many how many Street Fighter games has he appeared in? Like, almost all of them, I think all of them, and, and there have been a handful of there, there have been a few instances where there were Street Fighter crossovers where Akuma wasn't, but he's got his own crossovers, you know, like he was the only Street Fighter character to appear in Marvel, or I'm sorry, in X-Men Children of the Atom. There were no Street Fighter characters, but he was a secret final boss. He, of course, is in Tekken 7, the only Street Fighter representative there. Um, there are a few instances where he's not around and someone like Ken is, like Super Smash Bros. But man, Akuma is all over the place. And if you look at how popular he is as a character, it's Ryu number one on the CFN rankings that come out every month, but it's it's either Akuma or Ken who fight for second and third place all the time. Uh, so he's super popular amongst the general community that's playing Street Fighter V. You know that you see him more often, competitively speaking, than Ken, uh, because you, well, he's a better character just through and through, and we've seen a lot more of Akuma than uh, than him, than Ken, or Chun, or even Ryu, for that matter, in the competitive realms of both Street Fighter Four and Street Street Fighter 5 this character is like going around kind of is the he's not the face of Street Fighter but Capcom uses him as like an ambassador all over the place yeah. he is massively popular in the in the realm of fighting games and and it's weird because he doesn't necessarily like you might not see him at like the you know they do those like last suppers of, of certain genres and such and you see like the most important characters and, and whatnot like Ryu maybe even Chun-Li uh, would be in that I, I you wouldn't necessarily see Akuma except for maybe like lurking in the background as as a hidden boss but i would say akuma would probably fall into this category except that capcom had him as dlc the first character in season two for street fighter 5 and that was a whole year of dlc after the game launched you had six other characters first and people were absolutely happy and just fine to have akuma come in later do you have a a, a supposition as to why that is why it's okay that akuma he's, could be this kind of character he's always been a hidden character he, his, his whole origins is that. And so if he's a hidden character, it makes sense to add him later. And that sets that, that fits expectations. Um, so much of, of, you know, um, doing business marketing, all that kind of stuff is meeting people's expectations, hitting them. And it's like, Hey, if you, if you, if we do it this way, if we, we, we do give our audience what they want, then they should be happy. Mm. Um, should be not always, but should be. That's exactly, it's exactly what I think too, is that Akuma, his, the expectations surrounding him is that he is that secret boss. He's that character like, okay, so his first major appearance, Street Fighter 2, as the secret boss. You're not getting, in order to unlock him, I don't remember all of the requirements, but I think it's you can't lose a round, right? Or something like that on the way of, of yeah, your arcade ladder. It's... So when you're first playing these games, you're not going to access Akuma. Like the first month you're playing, you're not going to breeze through and not lose a single round. You're going to spend 45 minutes on Balrog and Sagat and Vega and then 50 minutes on Bison, you know, and it's just going to be a grind. But once you get to a certain level in the game, you unlock, and this is sort of in that same realm as like DLC, the game evolves further. Like once you've met a certain level and you can play at a certain level of efficiency, you get this new character that opens up a new part of the game. And that's really cool. Akuma has been that. He's been the secret boss that once you've once you've met the requirements once you're really like you're you're intermediate or farther along with the game then you get akuma and for whatever reason you know we talk about how he fits into like an acceptable top tier where other characters like ah you don't want them to be the top tier it's like oh i can buy it because of who akuma is and who we've expected him mm -hmm. to become and so i think in, in a similar way he's okay as he's he's fashionably late to the party
that's what he can be. And Akuma's allowed to do that. So even though he's amazingly popular, and I would say the only other one that's really in uh, talks of, of that same realm as, as Ryu, Chun, and Ken, that's why it's okay for him. And so ultimately, I think that it's only those three um, and that everybody else is fair game. Now you're going to have a starting roster probably of like 20, 25 characters. So it's likely that you're going to see all of these types of characters and whatnot. Um, and, and it won't be a huge issue, but I did want to just sort of buckle down and say, or, or kind of try to explore where are communal expectations at? Why are they there? And, uh, well, ultimately like what can we probably see and, and what would be catastrophic, catastrophic if we saw it roll out from Capcom for, uh, any future street fighter game. There it is. Yeah, as much as we give them crap about repeating the same mistakes over and over again, I mean, that happens sometimes, but it's on the more rare side, especially when they've had a major flop. Uh, I don't think, for example, you're going to see gyms coming back to a, a fighting game anytime soon. Darn. Uh, and they, they, yeah, they, they made great pains to separate the gems from the stones in marvel versus capcom infinite for example they're like yeah this is not gems it's a stone and it works this way um and so yeah you could say they kind of did a similar thing with marvel infinite but they also had their hands tied a little bit with marvel and how that was handled there um so it's not completely on them but you know it, it is still you know capcom making the game at the end of the day so uh, they've, they've got to stand up and figure out how to do that stuff properly. And uh, there it is. So um, yeah, this, this stuff, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, they get up to the, the 20 man, 25 man roster. You know, that, I think that's a really big deal on this. Uh, you know, we're definitely going to put them on blast if they don't do that. But um, crossing my fingers and crossing my toes and hoping that they learn from this stuff and we get a, a really solid jumping off point here mm -hmm. with street fighter six and uh, uh what do they call the cap god status or whatever uh, i know that like you know with the latest like resident evil game uh monster hunter uh devil may cry all that kind of stuff like their, their games are, are being fairly, fairly well received right now and if they they do that with this next fighting game that would be amazing because we have not had a well-received game since what john like what was the last super well-received game launch uh, in fighting games for, from capcom for capcom Street Fighter 4? I don't know. Yes. That's the last really well-received. Even Marvel 3 started off really rocky. It's been a long time since we had a really great launch for a fighting game. So I'm crossing my fingers and hoping, uh, much like the Star Trek movies, right? Like where the, uh, what is it? The <laughs> only, the good ones, it's the even ones, yeah, uh, that are that are good, right? Um, I'm, I'm hoping the same thing with Capcom because uh, Street Fighter 3 and Street Fighter 5 have been fairly well cursed. So the even games in the series are the good ones. So Street Fighter 6, bring it on. It's an even game. We're going to be go doing good and then don't have much hope for Street Fighter 7. Uh, yeah, that's, it's cursed. So <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, before I get started here, I just want to ask everyone to cycle crush the like button. It helps out the channel a ton. Uh, you guys know how I feel about Bison, but Bison is helping us out now, so I'm good with him. Thank you, Bison, for crushing that like button as well. Uh, but, John, one of my friends once told me, that watching porn for the plot is the equivalent of playing Street Fighter for the story. But you know what? I've never actually seen porn before, and I, I know you haven't as well, yeah. but I can guess as to what the meaning is there, right? Like, it's it's not that, you know, hard to kind of pick up on that, that basically, you know, the, the plots in, in both of these things are not what you tune in for, yeah. right? But there's actually some legitimately good plot threads in, in Street Fighter V. If you grade on a curve and you kind of squint a little bit and kind of, you know, like, it, you know, there's some stuff. So so Bill Shakespeare, this is not, but regardless, if you enjoy following some of the story in these games, I wanted to highlight the main, one, the main ones that are actually worth checking out. Here are my top five story threads 
Forestry you're gonna you're gonna have to sell me on these two because I actually oh, yeah. don't That's all I good. don't remember all of them. It's been a while since I played through them, but uh, I, I'm I'm pessimistic. But go ahead, sell me. You should be pessimistic, uh, and especially since I'm starting with a launch roster whose all their story threads, except for just a couple, are pretty much throwaway stuff because Capcom didn't have enough characters to work with. But I'm starting here at number five with Nash, and again, surprise for some people, but. Nash wakes up after being killed by his own military, defeated in more ways than one, as basically a zombie. All right? He's, he's basically zombie Nash. This is what we have. And then we get to see some dialogue with Nash literally telling Guile to go home and be a family man. Like, hey, Capcom's actually doing some callbacks to notable stuff that people enjoy. Shocker, right? Um, it, anyway, tells Guile, go home, be a family man. I'm going after Bison. I'm going to end him once and for all. And this actually heavily ties into numerous Nash plot threads we've seen throughout the years. They're actually bringing the past back, updating it, and giving you kind of like some, you know, some stuff to work off of, right? So Colleen, she helps resurrect Nash at the request of Gil to help destroy Bison. This is big because it means Gil also had a hand in killing Bison, setting up the events of Street Fighter 3 where Bison is nowhere to be seen. So Colleen tells Nash that it wasn't just high-ranking officials in the military who, you know, brought the plane in and shot him from behind and all that kind of stuff, but some of his comrades as well. But we also know that Colleen does not always tell the truth. Sometimes she's just flat out lying and other stuff. But this story arc here really illustrates how Colleen and Gil manipulated Nash and the others to kill off Bison so they could start up their new empire, their new utopia. This actually sets up the events of Street Fighter 3 and does, when you grade on a curve, a decent job of it. And I think that's important and it kind of gets overlooked with all, you know, Abigail farting and other crap like that that happens in the other story modes that are pretty much nonsensical and don't do anything. But that's my number five. But that was funny. I like the farting because I can relate. <laughs> uh, I, I I do think that I like the way Nash was used in this. And I also will say that I appreciate the way he was used uh, in the de development of A Shadow Falls because it's felt like he was getting set up to be like the hero of the story, right? He's, he's back and he's going to fight Bison. And of course, uh, spoilers, Ryu kills Bison at the end. But Nash is the one that sort of sacrifices himself as his character kind of always has. Uh, to like make bison like mortal again you know uh he he's the one that absorbs a, like a ton of bison's power and sacrifices himself in the process but that opens bison up to being vulnerable enough to get hit by the the hadouken and all that kind of stuff so uh yeah i appreciate i appreciate nash's story although i will say that as we looked into last week uh his story doesn't i mean the, the whole helicopter thing shooting him doesn't seem like it's the actual background story because that's the, the bison doesn't die in that one and bison needs to die yeah. because of rose and all this stuff i'm not gonna of course capcom doesn't tell yeah. congruent or, or, or you know linear stories whatever it's fine um that's my issue with nash but but yeah, I can appreciate how they did him in Street Fighter V. Well, there you go. So, number four, I've got Ed. And this might be a shocker to a lot of people because uh, you, you mentioned in a previous show how important Bison's extra bodies have been to the overall plot of the game. And we actually get to see that firsthand for the first time because when you're going through Ed's story mode, you, you, you get to see him evolve into a Bison body and other stuff. Accelerated growth the random channeling of the psycho power, the pain and the mental anguish that it takes to be a bison clone, 
and why so many of these these people like Abel and other stuff like that end up being they 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 rep, are represented as such like empty shells basically yeah. kind of you know they're growing kind of in the background and stuff like that and and this is the first time we ever get to see this up close and it ain't pretty it's not good um because Ed is sitting there like having nightmares uh he's growing too fast he's like I have to buy new clothes every month and other stuff like that and, and as a bison body uh, enters adulthood, uh, the rapid aging will slow down, but it's still a factor because bison's got the all white hair in Street Fighter V. He's still aging faster than his contemporaries. So this is filling in some of the big kind of blanks and the big questions we've had about you know what is what is a bison body like and other stuff. And that's all three people who have asked that question. There's not many who have, but regardless, it is answered for them. I see it on um, a tabloid. Get your bison body ready for the holidays. <laughs> There it is. <laughs> Get abs on top of your, oh, that's Honda, but you know, abs on top yeah. of your fat with these three simple tricks. How does that work exactly? But anyway, but uh, unfortunately for Ed, Manat comes to uh, ruin his life quite literally and says that as he ages further, the person that's him will cease to be entirely. Yeah, he's going to get some wicked powers, but literally he's going to die or kind of cease to exist. Uh, and, and at the end of the story, Ed ends up fighting his best friend, Balrog, who's like his only friend actually at that point in time. And he's got to leave him behind and find Falk. Um, if you read this closely, this story mode is actually fairly dark mm. and Ed doesn't have much to look forward to besides losing himself entirely and dying early. Look forward to that, Ed, because your future freaking sucks. And, and, and so we we kind of look at the Street Fighter games as like having a lot of like, you know, lighthearted other stuff like that. If you look at Ed's story mode, it's very dark and it actually tells a pretty good tale there. I was kind of surprised, you know, especially looking back in hindsight, how much is there in there if you read between the lines, squint, do all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I remember specifically from him and he was in Street Fighter 4 stories too, right? Balrog's because uh, Ed was kind of like a, a son figure for Balrog or Balrog was a father mm -hmm. figure to him, at least when he was young for 20 minutes or however long it was. But that was super interesting because you never think of Balrog as that type of character, you know, as a <laughs> paternal or caring or nurturing in any way. And so that they explored that a little bit was, was fairly interesting. Um, but then he got to be old, buff, super psycho Ed and then and, and here we are. But, uh, but yeah, I remember that grabbing my attention uh, for those reasons too. And and yeah, I can appreciate when it gets like super dark like that and you're actually like taking some chances. It's not as cool as, you know, farting Abigail, but eh, there's a place for it. Gets up there, right? So at number three, we have Sagat. Uh, people might feel this is a bit too high of a ranking, but this is one of the few story threads that have actually resonated with gamers. Uh, a lot of the plots are almost incomprehensible, but Sagat is actually not that hard to understand and actually fairly well-liked. Um, he clutches the scar basically throughout the uh, the story mode, and that basically implies that when Ryu you know, did the, the Satsui no Hado Dragon Punch in the first Street Fighter 1 tournament, some of that evil got placed into Sagat, and it's starting to manifest itself now, all these years later, right? It's so good. And this is the best. Sagat's story is the best story in Street Fighter. I'm saying it now. Sorry, go ahead. But that's yep, the truth. Fair enough, yeah. So, But very few characters actually meaningfully advance the plot in Street Fighter V, but Sagat is definitely an exception. He is now struggling with the demon that his former demon, Ryu, put there. And it might be interesting to see that Ryu and, and Sagat might team up in some way in the next game to help lock this evil away as Ryu finally overcame his own Satsui no Hado problems with the inadvertent help of Nikali, right? Nikali swallowed up all his evil and, 
you know, blah, 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 whatever the, that kind of thing happened there. Um, but anyway, like, like most of the story threads in this game, there isn't a ton of depth here, but the implications of what is happening to the King of Muay Thai are quite interesting and giving the characters a meaningful plot point is rare. And it would be kind of cool to see again, like I said, like Sagat and Ryu teaming up to like, you know, the old arch enemies, like getting back together, being friends and trying to work their way through it and stuff like that. That could be very cool. And Sagat is actually one of those characters who's evolved a lot. He was the initial main bad guy. He went to Shadowloo. He re, you know, went away from those stuff. And now he's being faced with this whole dark intent and he sympathizes with Ryu. All this stuff, he actually has a character arc. Yo, wow. that moment so, in, yeah. in Alpha where Sagat's just be starting to become a good guy or or lean away from his Shadaloo evil tendencies, uh, where Bison basically gets Ryu and then gives him to Sagat because Sagat wants his vengeance, right? And then Sagat's like kind of fighting him, but he's like, I don't want it like this. This is not actually the answer that I'm seeking. I do want my vengeance, but I don't want it in this form. And he tries to wake Ryu up because Ryu's in some sort of like a, a weird psycho hypnosis thing. He actually is instrumental in saving Ryu during the alpha thread and it's like we're gonna fight we're gonna do our rematch but we're gonna do it on on proper terms and, and i'm mm -hmm. actually gonna help you right now and those kinds of stories like they're fundamental they're axiomatic they, they play off of the the human condition strings something like that sagat's really cool and i we haven't even started to talk about how his eye patch is symbolic of him like not being able to pay attention and learning the lessons of, that, uh, that, that that's fun too i did a story on that a while ago yeah. and i was happy to do that too uh but yeah sagat best story in uh in all of street fighter He's actually well-written and that is a, it's a hard thing to find in here. But so it's like, yeah, focus more on that. When you've got stuff that's really compelling and interesting, focus more on it and wanted to highlight it. So moving on here at number two, we have Colleen and she acts heavily as the bridge between the events of the last two Street Fighter titles on into Street Fighter 3, where currently the timeline mostly ends. Uh, I say mostly because some of the things in Street Fighter 5 actually happen after Street Fighter 3. Uh, from from there, so Colleen has a flashback where where she loses everything. Uh, this is you know before she met Gail and all that other kind of stuff. She she's like like part of the Russian country army, something like that. Basically, there's a war happening. She loses her country. She loses everything. She is on. She is desperate. She is on her last legs. Gil appears to her like an angel, which he kind of is. And this sets up huge portions of the story for the current and future games. Gil is basically her salvation. And if Colleen follows him going forward, he has a, uh, she has a place at his side. She has a, a prominent role. And we see this come to fruition with her and Nash. Um, uh, Colleen's story actually ends right at the start of Street Fighter V's main cinematic mode, and it fills in all the blanks, basically. Because the big reveal, of course, is, you know, she starts off as Helen. She's lying like crazy to basically everyone. And it turns out she's working for Gil, working for Urien, all this other kind of stuff. She is part of the Illuminati, a very large part of the Illuminati. And, and we basically get to see, you know, this character who is kind of a background character be fully fleshed out and have a prominent role uh, of, of killing Bison by reviving Nash, by getting Nash back on his feet. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it, to me, this is really fascinating because not only do, does it set up the, the events of Street Fighter 3, which, you know, are not well documented, 
it, it shows us how these two games are bridged together uh, um, with Street Fighter V and Street Fighter Three. They, they are very heavily connected if you follow this specific thread. Uh, and, and, you know, that to me is really the big standout thing with Colleen. They took a character that was basically the secretary from Street Fighter 3 that didn't have a ton to do with her. Like certain people would have remembered her just from seeing, you know, like the, the cutscenes and whatnot. But she wasn't mega prominent or anything like that. And, and ultimately, she was kind of like at secretary status, which has potential, but it has to be realized and it has to be cultivated. And, uh, you know, when she was first released in SF5, or she was she was in the story before she was released, she was a DLC character. Um, but she, she was kind of <laughs> lukewarm. Um, and, and people were like, eh, maybe, maybe not. Over time, uh, and I think story has something to do with this, but over time, she's people have warmed up to her. <laughs> she has ice powers. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> but people have warmed up to her, and I think a big part of it is because, uh, you know, she has this sort of presence and this uh, position in the story. She matters, and she's done something significant, and that's going to add to a character's charisma and aura and such. And so, yeah, I, I can appreciate me some Colleen. And she's got some really good costumes, so... There you go. There you go. Shout out to Kitty Kaboom. But uh, Capcom often jumps around the timelines without much explanation. But this is one of the few times they actually connected things together with major characters and major plot points. And it's like, I want to applaud that. That's actually thoughtful writing that means something. And, and it's like, yeah, so Colleen has, has got a really nice place in here. And again, I'd love to see her back in Street Fighter VI uh, and all this kind of stuff. Like, she should have a great place at the table. Uh, and that moves us on to the last characters at, at number one. And I say characters because I have Rose and Oro, since Rose and Oro actually pretty much have the exact same plot going on. Um, although Rose sets up more for the next game in terms of having it have like tra time travel elements. Um, but both of them acknowledge that Bison is gone now. And it's actually really nice to hear that, hey, Bison's officially dead for now. Um, and, and, you know, he's not coming back easily, right? He's been wiped from the earth, I think is a, the quote from it. Mm -hmm. But a new energy and potentially evil presence has risen up in G. And it's worth noting that that Gil has felt G's energy before, and meaning they have some ties together, even if they're loose, probably something to do with Q, right? But like G is not a completely brand new, out of nowhere character. Gil recognizes him somehow, right? Even if no one else does. Uh, so anyway, Rose goes and fights with G. And that leads her to conclude that he will result in the end of the earth and all that we know. Um, Oro actually has a very similar conclusion, but feels like if people are just in the right mindset and don't succumb to evil, uh, they could, you know, combat this outcome, right? He's a little bit more, uh, a little bit more confident about the potential outcome with it. Yeah, I can. But anyway, Rose. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, like, I can appreciate the these, the, especially here in season five, because they've raised the stakes with this particular thread of the story, um, mainly pertaining to, to Rose. But like you say, Oro is kind of connected because she's talking to him as like an elder and she kind of bouncing this off like, hey, this stuff's going down. Should we, you know, maybe kind of prepare? And he's like, yeah, but uh, but we'll, we'll probably be all right. People are good. And it's like, I don't know. People are good, man. Like, that's a, that's a kind of a tall order to just sort of fall back on and assume that that's all right. So. Yeah, it's because it, they both agree that G is going to end the earth, but but Oro's like, well, if people just have a you know positive mindset about it, they're going to be fine. So, but Oro's very lackadaisical about this stuff. He's he's very much operating on whims. Uh, so Rose feels like she's the only person who can stop G 
from doing this and can do so by traveling to the past, which should heavily set up the plot of the next game and likely lead us into a bit of a greatest hits version of Street Fighter, where we see some of the iconic moments uh, and characters depicted that we've never seen. Um, but also um, events continue to expand past what happened in Street Fighter V and likely Street Fighter Three as well. Um, I think we're going to have two timelines pretty, you know, if not, you know, kind of more if Rose is jumping around quite a bit. Um, but uh, this is number one for heavily clue cluing us into the next game um, because it's like, hey, this is what's coming. Uh, here is what you should expect. This is, you know, what Street Fighter Six is going to be or the next Street Fighter project, all that kind of stuff. Like, and that rarely happens in, in a Capcom fighting game. It's like, oh, like you're actually setting up the next game and there's some reasonable plot threads to follow here. We know we've got to get more into Street Fighter Three and Q and G and Gil and all this other kind of stuff, but you're actually setting this stuff up. And like, if you execute it well, if you pay it off well, this could be really cool. Like there's some good stuff going on here, but then they, they, you know, they do something like Luke story mode and then it's like, Oh, okay. Well, I'm just waiting for Street Fighter six to all just be about Fong's backstory. Yes. <laughs> so there's my top five. Uh, I, I do think there's some really cool threads in here and I do think there's some good writing that Capcom has done, but it's also hard to piece together. The execution really needs to improve. The The, the way that the, you make this stuff better is you make it cohesive. You make it easy to follow. Um, and and there, there's you know plenty of examples like that in past Street Fighter games and other stuff like Guile's plot. It's really easy to follow. It's simple. Go be a family man. You know, let go of Nash dying and all this other kind of stuff, but you know, still be a good person. All this kind of stuff like that's not hard hard to follow there's a lot of archetypes they could work off of so i'm hoping they level up their execution like they said they would uh, ono said this previously he said with street fighter 5 he said look we're not going to have an nrs level of story in this game we just you know don't have the resources and time to pull this off it's not going to be that level he said but look forward to the next game we know ono never lies or misleads anyone so i'm very heavily looking forward to the street fighter 6 plot and of course it's going to be perfect without flaw Ain't nothing terrible going to happen today. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, y'all. That's going to wrap us up for this week of the Event Hubs podcast. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and I hope I didn't jinx Street Fighter's plot into oblivion. Pretty sure yeah. you did. <laughs>